Alrighty, welcome back to the Future of NFT podcast, the most efficient and realist podcast in the NFT world. I'm your host, Jared. Today, you're in for a treat. Every episode's a treat. You already know that. The CEO of Haylayer, Ala Kretzky, comes on. Again, I don't know shit about fashion. Like, as you'll hear in this episode, I don't know shit. She knows about fashion, right? She's the one. She's She's the lady, right? She's the lady. So again, you will learn something from this episode. I guarantee it. So let's get straight into it. All right, so we'll go ahead and get started. So today we have a very special guest. We have Miss Ala Koretsky. She's the Chief Executive Officer at Haylayer. Before joining Haylayer, Ala spent 15 years working as a buyer in luxury fashion, e-commerce, and subscription business models, bridging the gap between branding, marketing and product development ala welcome to the show yay that was perfect thank you what's going on Jared? how are you doing today i'm doing well I, i'm excited about this one i'm i'm ready to talk about some some fashion um but again before we start i really do want to talk about hey as well but i just want to know because just me personally i got to get these questions out the way yeah. so when you were i just want to throw it back a little bit when you're 18 years old 19 20 21 like yeah. What did you want to do growing up? Like, what was your what was your thing? Yeah, so I was always very much into fashion. One of my earliest memories um, growing up was literally taking clothes out of my closet, bringing it outside to my friends, and we, I would throw like mock fashion show runways. I didn't realize <laughs> what I was doing, but my whole sort of my personality was to like, I loved organizing. I love fashion. So I would, I was just always, I would draw, I would draw figures and I would draw, you know, I was very much into like sort of the creative end, right? Um, really early on, um, had this dream that I was going to be uh, moving to New York and I was doing, you know, I was going to do something in fashion. So I was, you know, from the time that I was, I could get a job. I worked in retail. I was a, a, a family, you know, um, family. Uh, my uncle owned uh, of uh, clothing stores in Philadelphia, where I grew up. So since I was like 15, 16, I would on weekends work at a clothing store. And when I was 17 18 i worked at an upscale clothing uh store that was close to my high school um was like organizing fashion shows at 19 at a local um sort of pop-up events so i was always really much into fashion knew that i wanted to relocate to new york and and do something fashion related and so um, when I was um, in Drexel University for my associates, there was an opportunity for me to get an internship. And so I got an internship in uh, at um, Versace showroom at their um, their main headquarters, like showroom in in Midtown. And you know, it was it was kind of an amazing opportunity. It offered me. So I started as an intern on the sales side. Um, three months into it, they offered me a position, like a full-time position. Uh-huh. So I was 20 and I just started dating a guy who's been my husband for the past, you know, we've been together for the past 20 years. So That's I, awesome. I'm not going back to Philadelphia to live back with my parents. And uh-huh. I'm like, I have a, like a dream job and, you know, living with, with a dream guy. And I'm like, well, hmm. I'm going to stay in New York. 
So I ended up staying there for the next few years, kind of dropped out of college. And I was like, why do I need a degree if I'm already doing, you know? I, I'm, I'm sorry, real quick. I don't wonder if I'm just curious, what was your degree going to be in? So I was going to have a, like a fashion merchandising degree. So I okay, was, okay. I was, so my brain kind of works. I'm half creative, half analytical. So <laughs> okay. for me, like being in fashion, but I knew that I wasn't going to be like a fashion designer. Um, I, yeah. I, you know, that's why being a buyer was kind of like a perfect job because um, you're creative, right? Because you're, you're picking out the trends. You see, you do trend forecasting, you're, you're merchandising, but you also have to apply your your business side, right? You you have to look at numbers, and you have to look at sell throughs, and you have to see what sizes are selling best, and you have to meet your debt, you know, your goals. Yep. So for me, like seeing uh, seeing buyers coming into the showroom, really, I was like, okay, I want to do what they're doing. I don't want to be on the sales side. I really want to continue and kind of get my merchandising degree. So I winded up after um, four years being at Versace, I winded up leaving and. Um, going back to school so I was taking classes at FIT but then I ended up picking LIM which is a private fashion school shout out to any LIM <laughs> alumni <laughs> that you're listening but um, I winded up you know going and, and getting my um, my my merchandising my my business merchandising degree officially that's what I got my bachelor's on and um, you know, I the, again the last had an internship opportunity and I, I started working for one of the top um, denim destination spots in New York City called Atrium. And I became their senior buyer, stayed out of college, uh, managed over 300 different brands, um, specifically in denim. So anything denim related from men's and women's. Hmm. So was always into fashion, always kind of knew what I wanted to do. I was kind of lucky in that way that I was, you know, I, I found my passion really early on and set my goals to what you know, I wanted to do and kind of followed that trajectory pretty, you know, pretty close to uh, what I expected for myself. So I, I, I don't know if I'm lucky or if I'm just, that's my personality. I'm yeah, sure. no, that's, that's super awesome. Like I can only imagine how you were feeling after getting that, uh, like going to able to work for um, Versace, like the internship, yeah. like I can't even like, how, how was that? Like, I'm sorry, cause stuff like that, that's like, I don't know, again, a big brand like Versace, like that that's like someone's dream right to come just you know one of the biggest brands like so i'm curious like was versace the brand like at that time or was it still kind yeah. of like, okay so they were pretty hot at the moment yes uh -huh. and i remember you know the way they would operate is pretty kind of you know their their back end operation was so very much true to the way they've been they've been doing it for years right so uh -huh they would wait until, um, you know, the samples would arrive to the showroom and we would service North America and South America. The samples would arrive to the showroom, but then they would wait until the actual printed lookbooks would be uh, shipped from Italy. And then the sales team would distribute these lookbooks um, to the buyers across North and South America. And so the pro process was very tedious. You know, sometimes there would be... So it would take forever for these print looks uh, to arrive. And so the sales team would be kind of have different market weeks. You have fall, winters, you know, you had um, holidays. So you had different market oh, weeks yep. where buyers can come in and make their purchase for the next six months. And so, you know, we would have the models hired because they would, when the buyers would come in, we would 
uh, outfit them, we would put the samples on. And so we had the models, we had the time. And, and so um, I was an intern and um, a design intern. She, we would kind of like, okay, well, we already have the clothes. Let's just take pictures and add them onto Excel sheets and add all the information. So we kind of like, in retrospect, like years later, I kind of realized the importance of what we did. We kind of digitized the, the lookbooks, right? Yeah. Where before they would wait for these like physical copies to come in. Uh-huh. So we would, you know, I was, I was 20, she was 22. And here we were like dressing, you know, like hot models and in slim <laughs> trunks and having them pose for us and try to keep a straight face while we were like, all giddy and, you know, excited on the inside. And, <laughs> and we would, you know, upload these images onto Excel sheet and I'll add all the information that we already had anyways. And then we created these digital lookbooks that essentially the sales team were able to send out prior to the buyers coming into the showroom. And, Essentially, they increased like 35% in the first market and it became like the protocol going forward. Like no longer, yes, they would still receive these beautiful lookbooks after the fact, but um, at least they would um, receive this digital and sometimes the buyers weren't able to come in. So they would just, you know, call uh, yeah. the sales representative and say, okay, I, I want this, this and this and these many units. So it was a pretty cool experience to kind of be able to, you know, even though you have this like pre-established, like, you know, fashion house, um, because of these people that we were kind of working under, thank God they kind of gave us the free reign to experiment. And, you know, I'm always kind of, I always think about that as like, even with the interns that we hire right now for Hey Lair, is sometimes you like, they may know best, like you don't know everything. And sometimes you have to give, the freedom and the opportunity for the younger generation to experiment and uh, to try things out because, you know, times change and, yep. and evolve. And it's, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to like work with someone who gave me the opportunity to, to do that. Right. So. Yeah. That's no, that's, that's so awesome. I, I love that story. That's, that's super cool. So now, so now I just got to ask you, so then, NFTs hit your radar the very for the very first time. Just the word NFT hit your radar. Yeah. What what is even going through your mind? Like, so before NFTs really kind of came came into my like sphere of understanding, I really kind of dug in more onto the blockchain side. So, as for being a buyer for many years and kind of you know working for you know Versace and working for Atrium, I then uh, got a part of this. Um, um, startup in New York City called Consign, uh, which was the first like social commerce type of uh, e-commerce where influencers of the time, this is 2008, something like that. So influencers mm-hmm. of the time were able to um, uh, create their own sort of e-commerce storefronts and from every sale that, that happened, they would get a percentage out of it. So I would sort of negotiate a lot of contracts with emerging designers. So um, so really got a bug for that startup scene, right? Like really got excited that you can have an idea on a Tuesday and execute on a Thursday, right? Yeah. So from that, I went to be a buyer, a senior buyer for Bloom.com, which was the first subscription box company for babies and children. So it was really a part of like working with brands, got into product manufacturing, private label, uh, working with manufacturers directly to figure out what does a new sort of collection look like. So supply chain was super interesting to me and how we can, um, how, how, how can we use modern tools to solve the issue of supply chain sort of 
you know, issues that we're having. So as a buyer, I knew very little about the products. I probably knew 20% of the products that I was buying because I was getting the information uh, from the from the brands themselves, but they were getting their products manufactured by a wholesaler, right? Yep. So the information that I was getting was, was limited. And then the information that you get as a buyer is even less limited, right? So you're yep. basically just trusting the information that you get from from the printed label what says on the website yep. so when i really learned about sort of the whole blockchain space um i from from gary Riker, my cto my co-founder um he's like i'm really interested in sort of utilizing this technology in e-commerce space and i knew very little about it nfts weren't really a thing this is 2019 mm -hmm. and really fell down the rabbit hole of YouTube and watching whatever I could find and reading whatever I can find about how blockchain was was changing supply chain, right? And yeah. how here we are you, um, now sort of buying in things all over the world and how do we trust information, um, you know, in, in, in an instant, right? So yeah. that's essentially how we started. I kind of, I, I we created a, a platform where brands can drag and drop their company information documents. So where the ingredients are coming from. If you're saying you're 100% organic, there's proof of that. If you're saying you're made in USA, there's proof of that. So essentially yeah. every point along the supply chain can be verified through blockchain records. So we kind of, I, I fell in into this like, you know, web three space through blockchains. And so, you know, how, like utilizing that technology for supply chain issues. And so when we started building back in 2019 and we um, we won the scale challenge, which was sponsored by the Walmart family, and they were looking for innovative companies that were like disrupting the space. Um, when we started reaching out to companies, you know, and we were started reaching out to companies that claimed they were green and they were, you know, completely open and transparent. When we started introducing this technology to them, we were so early, you know, and we kept getting this resistance because what they really they had to do is <laughs> change their entire operation right yes. now yes. we're saying like, everything looks pretty on the front end but if you start really kind of digging in the back end where is the stuff manufactured are you like using sweat you know sweat factories like are you like where 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 is all your products coming from do you even know sort of the source of where all your ingredients are coming from so, um, you know, we, we were, we were heading to a lot of challenges, but this is, so this is 2020. Um, you know, it was, we saw this incredible, um, sort of activity and excitement that was happening on the artist end, right. On the artists mm -hmm. and creatives and how they were using, um, you know, NFTs as part of their like toolkit in order to prove provenance and ownership. And yep. okay, well, if we already have this platform where you can drag and drop a file, why not drag and drop and right click and mint? So yep. that's how we got into the NFT space. It was it was kind of through just product market fit, realizing that our product was way too early. Yep. And we needed to adjust. And that's how we started kind of experimenting and bringing on artists um, in, in, the NF, in NFT specifically. So it wasn't something that we kind of, it was an evolution that really got me here. That's super interesting. So now I'm just curious. So do you think this is one of those things that consumers might look at companies now and just be like, okay, we're not going to shop with you unless you're like completely transparent? Do you think, do you see something like that or how do you see that playing out? 
Yeah, I think it's it's a very small audience, right? That really stands by their values and says, okay, I will only buy ingredients that are, you know, uh, organically sourced, or I will only buy ingredients that are whatever, right? Or, or I will only buy ingredients that don't have animal byproducts. So there's a whole like, so for the most part, what we realized through our market research is that people on impulse and people will buy on what's what's like cheapest right so they go by price and by impulse interesting um, and then it's like way down the line people put their like priorities you know like existential put priorities on a high okay. list they say okay i care about xyz yeah uh, because we through this drag and drop right click you know we were creating these blockchain records to verify the information that uh, was provided by the company is true and so we created this sort of like decentralized storage solution right mm -hmm. and then we said, okay why not create like a, we created a chrome extension that essentially you can check off like what values meet like matter to you the most so as you're shopping on different websites you know you come to a nike and it says well this company is transparent um, and maybe we don't have to show, you know, their smart, the, the, the blockchain record of them actually verifying this information because that can be complicated, right? If you want to go yeah. down the rabbit hole, you can, yeah. uh, but essentially if it says, okay, well, this company is 80% transparent because they have submitted X, Y, and Z, right? Mm. So yeah. I see that as like the initial revolution of, like shopping right where we want to trust the companies that we're buying from based on certain requirements um but i think we're very much far away from that from what i realized you know working with baby products for a long time is that yes we have we want you know certain we have certain restrictions we want you know like maybe if your if your kid has allergies to specific ingredients then you're probably more up to like really researching, right? Yeah. But if it has like no, you know, um, most people just shop based on is how fast can I get it and how affordable is it based yep. on, you know, my budget. So I think we're still very much far away from, you know, the utilization of this technology for like really sort of the provenance aspect. Yeah. Uh, but I'm optimistic that, you know, one day <laughs> that will be the future. So, so let me ask you, so basically what makes you like the most excited or like intrigues you the most about luxury fashion brands joining like the whole like web yeah. NFT world? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's an interesting, so I'm, I'm speaking to, and obviously because with Hey Layer, we've kind of, we've, we've, we metamorphosed into like, you know, we started out with sort of the storage, the decentralized storage side. Then we kind of went into, we knew that with the launch, we launched in December of 2021. We knew that we, the, you know, we needed to launch with a marketplace. This way we can have activity in terms of creators coming on board and collectors coming on board. And we did that. We launched with an NFT campaign called Satoshi, um, which aimed to empower like you know, we, we, we worked with 20 amazing uh, global um, digital artists, women artists that sort of gave the interpretation of what Satoshi uh, was. If it was a woman, maybe it was, we'll never know. But yeah. <laughs> uh, so we launched, we kind of we started experimenting with, so with the marketplace, we started experimenting with drops and we realized that 
you know, a lot of brands were coming to us naturally now with a different sort of angle. They weren't looking to disrupt their operation side. They were now looking to use this technology as a marketing tool, right? <laughs> so um, we were, and, and now they needed everything from education to strategy to what does the marketing look like? What does the community look like? Community building, what does the technology end? How can I entice and continue to excite my audience so we had to create tools along the way so over the past eight months what we've created is an entire sort of launch pad right so web3 launch pad for brands and creatives from creation to distribution so we've kind of metamorphosed into this entire sort of solution um so now we have to kind of like and naturally because of my sort of expertise on the fashion side um, now we're getting these like fashion brands that are coming to us and asking like, well, how can we utilize this technology? Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the like really sort of interesting things, um, one of the interesting brands that I'm currently um, working with, um, uh, I guess uh, I can, I can, I'm sure he's, he's not going to mind me mentioning him, but um, it's a brand called New York Culture Club. It's a, uh, he's also building a metaverse called Manhattan. Uh, which is going to recreate sort of Manhattan as we know it in terms of retail platforms and really sort of bridging the gap between um, uh, physical and digital experience. So mm -hmm. we're essentially going to be um, working on an NFT will that will allow you to build a profile uh, that will essentially take you to this metaverse. But essentially this profile, when you purchase this NFT, it will allow you to receive a physical good of a product that has um, an NFC chip imprinted into the fabric. So essentially you can bring physical and digital, but then um, through the sort of the activation of this physical item, you're uh -huh. able to sort of the first step in his, in his roadmap is the ability to like have a point of purchase. So you can just tap on your phone and you're going to be able to check out and you're going to be able to get the same sweatshirt, um, get, get this NFT that will allow you to get this physical item. But mm -hmm. also what I'm really interested in that kind of goes back to our um, sort of our starter story is now we're able to show where the like where the sweatshirt came from. So yeah. the print that goes in the sweatshirt, who's the artist that's responsible for that? So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for uh, collabs with other three um, D fashion artists or other sort of artists that are in um, fashion space, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so you're 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 now hitting up sort of on where does the sweatshirt come from? Who's responsible for producing it? So it's kind of getting into the supply chain, which got us kind of into this space in the, in the beginning. So as I'm going to be working with him on this project, I think it's, it's going to be um, our whole sort of mission on this is to educate more people um, into the space. Right. And I think it, um, this aha moment, right, for the non, like the newbie community, yeah. this aha moment can only happen once they have this like IRL in real life activation. A hundred percent. So, and for instance, as you're walking down the street, and I, I know for me, how many times that happened when someone is wearing their like, yo, like, I love that. That's dope. Where'd you get that? You no longer have to, you can just tap your phone, right? Or if you have a next evolution of a smartwatch, like we're working with a partner called Ryder, 
um, you can essentially just tap your phone on someone's sleeve and you can either purchase, you can see the supply chain. And every time that sweatshirt is now being sold, the original sort of uh, artist that created the print on a sweatshirt will get a percentage from the sale. The person who actually you know, sewed the garment will get a percentage of the sale. You as the person who actually is wearing the sweatshirt and is talking about the sweatshirt will get a percentage of the sale. So everyone essentially, you know, it all stems back to like the whole purpose of Web3 is becoming yep. user-owned internet, right? And user-owned experience where it's not controlled by one entity, but everyone is is credited and, and you know, highlighted in the entire process. So for me, that's exciting. And that's what I hope to kind of dig into a little more in the next, um, in the next few months. That's that's honestly so awesome. That's so crazy. Like, wow, just until you said that, my mind was just, I was just like, wow, like I can actually picture all of that. That's insane. Like, that's just, I don't even know what to say. That's just nuts. It's just, I don't know. It's, I'm still thinking about it. That's just crazy. So, like, what about even, like, okay, you're walking down the street. This girl has a Louis Vuitton. Like, is it yes. a real Louis Vuitton? Is it, like, yeah. what about, like, stuff like authentication? Like, what about that? Yeah, well, luxury brands are doing it already. I mean, we're seeing it in the automobile industry. We're seeing it in the luxury fashion, you know, industry. I mean, the information is there, right? For every part on any Lamborghini that's being built, every part is accredited for, right? Every part is, so it all goes back to how do we take this information and, and put it on a chain and make it available for the end consumer in the most like, you know, user, like easiest user experience, right? Yeah. So for instance, if, you know, for every, I see the future with that, with every physical item in, in luxury space, there will be a physical, uh, there will be a digital twin of it, right? And in this digital twin, you will hold all this information when it comes to supply chain, when it was produced, what factory was produced on, who made it, what year, right? So now yeah. for any like secondary sales, as you know, I don't know if you know, but like in every, um, you know, luxury fashion bag, right? Especially if you're talking about the Chanel's and the Balenciaga's of the world, right? The uh -huh. Gucci's of the world, uh -huh. that the, the secondary sale, a lot of time makes more money than the primary sale, but Gucci never mm -hmm. gets a percentage out of it, right? Yep. Yep. So now you as a as a brand, as a creative can can really monetize on this, not just from, first sale but going forward um you know and it all goes back to for instance you know we're speaking to art galleries right traditional art galleries and we're speaking to museums and it's like you know going forward for any for any art for any creative that's that's being produced in this day and age is like you have to have a digital provenance of that right yep. like, I, I can't imagine i wouldn't buy an expensive piece of art. I wouldn't buy any art if it doesn't have like a digital yeah. of that, right? And this is the future. So, you know, I'm teaching this to my kid. I have three kids of my own. I have a 13 year old and 11 year old and a five year old, but the 13 year old is very much, you know, kind of learning. I, I don't want to like, I don't want to be that mom that like shoved <laughs> and down his throat, you know? <laughs> uh, and I want him to kind of go through this journey on his own. And I do that with a lot of my friends also, right? I don't want to be like, hey, have you heard about this? You need yeah. to be, you know? Yeah. Like, this is a journey that's very personal and it's very intimate and it's like, it's so different for every person, from one person to another. Yep. And so, like, I really just want to focus on experiences where you, you what is the utility, like, what is the, 
what excites you the most about a specific thing, right? Yeah. We yeah. do that with all the brands that we talk to is like, we really kind of dig in deep and like, what is your brand's DNA? Like, what is your company about? You know, don't just jump into the hype of it just to get into the hype of it because yeah. Web3 community smells a rat and like, you know, <laughs> an intruder like miles away right if yeah. you're not really into it for like if you have not been you know like what's the uh red pill purple pill what's the <laughs> matrix they like in matrix they give you yeah the red pill is it the red or the blue pill anyway I... <laughs> so so you know what i'm talking about yeah, like, yeah. has their own journey and yeah. you know really like we try to create experiences that have this aha moment like so we've just launched a multi-pass um during nft nyc time where it's a very easy experience where you come into an event and you attend an event or you come into for instance like a concert and right now sort of the easiest technology for the main adoption to understand is qr codes like qr codes are literally everywhere right yep. no longer do you have to like oh what is this brand and you go on your website and you go on google or you type in the url of this website right like how can we reduce the traction like the you know so yeah. it, it, qr codes is the simplest thing right now i believe it's going to like geolocation and fc chips kind of like the next thing right hmm. so you know you come into an event and you scan a qr code and 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 that gets you your first NF, nft and you don't even have to call it an nft you know like a membership like a yeah. loyalty uh reward and you know two days later you basically you claim this badge and this badge is an NFC, uh, NFC, and then now it allows you to communicate um, with your audience directly through them having this badge. So now a day later, you can say, okay, you know, thank you for attending this event because now it's a notification through the app. And you can say, well, you know, thank you for attending. Here are the highlights uh, from the real, from the, from this concert or awesome. days later you can get, because you attended this event and you have this badge of attendance, you can now have access to, uh, gated merchandise, right? And only people with this badge will, will, will be able to get this merchandise yep. or, you know, here's an access to the song that that's only released. So now you're getting engagement and you're getting, you know, excitement along the community and you're providing value to the people that actually supported you because there's this badge of them attending this event. And it can go sort of one way further is where you can have these badges as, you know, gated sort of ticket access where you can now get into specific events by just you holding this, um, this NFT. So I'm really excited about sort of that utility that will excite and, you know, get this light bulb going for yeah. the early majority. Um, you know, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast and who's listened to your other podcasts, you know, I, I like that you, you introduce sort of this topic in a very simple way, right. For the people that are just coming into the space. And I think, you know, the, we're so early, like everyone, you know, has, has been hearing is that we are super early in the fact that you've been listening to this and you're questioning, what is this? You're, you're already like steps ahead, you know? Yep. And yep. I think that's really where the early, like sort of majority, like adoption will happen is through everyday utility that will give it, give us benefits in, in real world. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we're focusing on um, with Hail Air. That's awesome. No, that's, that's crazy. Cause as you're talking and you're saying, Hey, like, again, you attended this event, you get exclusive access to this, you get exclusive access, access to see this product or whatever it may be like, 
I always say again, like our brain still at this point can't even fathom what we're going to be able to do. Like the amount of access, the amount of different angles that again, people are going to be able to just take with it. Like whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just crazy. Like we still just have no clue even at this point. Um, I mean, who would ever thought back when we, you know, we're building, you know, the web one, right. That yep. before it was like, okay, we were using it for, I don't know, to, to, you know, read the news or like, you know, see the scores of the latest sports game, but like yeah. who ever thought that it was going to evolve into like what we get from websites now. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I remember, uh, I remember, you know, the dial up stage of the internet and I remember how excited we were, you know, putting in our, you know, our, our AOL discs and, and <laughs> to, uh, uh what was it uh what were these uh, those al community chats like that was exciting for uh-huh. me that was super exciting that was like i'm like what you can communicate with people that are not in my room or like yes. not you know? so i mean it's 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 i'm pretty excited about the future i'm i am pretty excited about the future that my kids will hold i remember just a little side story what really got me excited about the metaverse um and sort of the possibility of that. I remember, you know, being in a lockdown uh, with three kids, a dog, a husband, trying to get, you know, hay layer off the ground in a three bedroom uh-huh. apartment in, in Brooklyn. And, you know, we literally were not coming outside. We, I would like force the, you know, the family to go outside for half an hour just to walk around the block just to breathe air, right? Yeah. And I remember my son, who was at 11 at the time, you know, running out of his room. And he's like, Mama, just come here. You have to see this. And, you know, we would, I, the first time that I saw a Travis Scott uh, concert in Fortnite. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> it blew my mind. It blew yep. my mind. You know, this was the biggest event of the month, the year, whatever. You know, they yep. were so excited just to be in the space with other people. And there was this live concert and I like that for me change sort of my perception of what's possible of the metaverse. Right. And, you know, I've gotten, you know, I've I've gotten the kids, the, the, the goggles and I'm like, okay, you know, we're so far away from like actually like the experience being enjoyable. And, you know, they were on it for maybe, you know, an hour or two the first week. They haven't touched it since then. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I think we're just, we're, we're very far away from, if we, if we think NFTs are early, I think the, the whole metaverse adoption is like even sort of in the earliest stage. We, we yeah. haven't, um, yeah, I'm so, excited. Uh, so now I just got to know now, this is just, this I don't know why this also question also just fascinates me just because like what I see and what I hear. So like, w- what does your family think of the metaverse NFTs? Are they like, Allah, this is BS. Like it's not happening. Just, you know what I'm saying? Like what, how, how do they take it? Uh, so my husband is a big supporter. Thank God. Um, and I think he, he has become more of a supporter uh, by traveling with me to different events. So I, we now since, um, since COVID we relocated to Florida and so so we there's a lot of sort of activity that's happening around this web three space in Miami specifically. We're we're not in Miami, but it's nice to come to Miami twice a year and we come to New York twice a year for different events and you know, we, we're starting to travel to different sort of web three related events. So he's he's seeing me and like the, and he's seeing the the environment and the community and you know, one of the amazing things that he mentioned is that, you know, last time we were in Miami 
he goes, I have never seen, he's like, I haven't seen so many people excited about the future in <laughs> one room in such a long time. Uh -huh. Right. And when he said that, I was like, yeah, I'm like, that's true. <laughs> you know, you like, you, you meet people from different walks of life, from like different industries, from like, you know, artists that have been, you know, traditional art for years and suddenly got into the NFT space. And they're like, oh my God, this has given me like a new breath of air and excitement. And so I meet people like that all the time. And the the fact that I'm, uh, I can connect to someone in the community and I can say, well, I really like what you're doing. Can we just schedule a call? I would love to learn more. And not call and people are so open and like for me, that's the most exciting thing. So I have, my husband definitely loves this whole, um, you know, this new path that I've taken in my life. Um, yes. My, my, my kids are, it's interesting because I think the narrative that is currently being held on the social platform that they mainly um, are on is, is, is not, really nft friendly right it, they're uh -huh. still having those conversations oh, i was just a jpeg just you know <laughs> so yeah. and i don't think there's enough young people that are taking the initiative of having educated conversations about this particular topic yep. and i think that needs to happen more right so you have mostly like the loudest sort of influencers in the space that are Kind of like, oh, this is this is bullshit. This is why, <laughs> but there it's uneducated conversations, right? So yeah. I think there needs to be more more young people that are coming out and and really learning about this and really kind of passing on. And so, but what's interesting is that you know when I mentioned again, I was like, I don't want to be that mom that like shoves information down. <laughs> Yeah. I really want them to go on this journey on their own yeah. with my guidance and they obviously you know every time I come back from a conference I'll bring them a t-shirt and I'm like oh this is a cool project that I met or like yeah. I'll tell them when I'm on a cool podcast like yours and I'm like I'm recording a podcast with you yeah. know so I, I I fill them in on what's happening highly and so my son you know he's he's been the 13 year old he's been he's like oh I have an idea for this NFT project he's He's like a sneakerhead, and he's he he's exploring on how he can create his first. Um, so maybe there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel that yeah. you know he's he's getting it. So that's all I can ask for. I'm, I'm hopeful. Now I was gonna say that's that's crazy because again, like for me explaining NFTs to people, like it's it's again it's crazy. Like when you just start explaining again, like the because I like to break it down between again the blockchain technology because then. Yeah. When you when you just say NFT, it's just like again, their brain immediately goes to again right right click save they've got right. But then again, you explain the technology. You explain like, hey, wait, if I take a picture of you right now and I save it in my photos, I don't own you, right? Yeah. Like just I, just these all these different little like dumb things I've just been coming up with just to like kind of get people to understand. And it's crazy because then again, you see that light bulb like yeah, you, like, you see it go off like you literally just see it go off, and their brain goes like it almost in my opinion, it's like it almost makes a lot of people like it turns people into creatives. At that yeah. point, I like I don't know. That's just something I always see. I'm just like, wow, that's that's super interesting. So again, the kids coming up, like this is like the time for them. Like, it, it, like you know what I'm saying? The world is yours. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's just time to get creative and time to do your thing and do whatever you want with it. Like, I don't know. That's just the way I think about it. A hundred percent. I really liked your podcast that uh, you know inside Jared's head. <laughs> uh -huh. I, I got inside of your head a little bit. <laughs> 
when you were recording. And I really like, you know, what you said is like you, you know, growing up, right? You, it's up to the adult to say like, you know, what's possible, what's not possible, right? And you kid, like, oh my God, I want like, I want to do this. Yep. And some, you know, most of the time we have adults that are like, no, that's not possible. You can't <laughs> have that, right? Yep. And so for me, I I really try to be like, um, like understanding of that, right? Because the world is only as big as we, in as a parent for me, right? It's really important right now. It's like, I, I'm, I'm only building like barriers for them based on my own assumptions, right? Uh -huh. But the world has changed so much, yep. right? And the, yep. the technology that we have at our hands right now has completely broke, broke down the barriers of yep. who we can communicate with, how fast we can communicate. Like today I had meetings from someone in China, I had a meeting from someone in Barcelona, I had a meeting with, you know, like a team in New York, like, yep. you know, if you think about it, 10 years, like that was not a possibility, right? And like not 100%. just phone meeting, but speaking to them, looking looking them in the eye. And, and so if we're talking about the metaverse, like imagine actually, you know, playing a game together or like, growing something together, contributing yeah. to a project together. So the world has changed, right? And so I no longer can say to my son, like, that's not possible. I don't know what's going to be possible five years from now. 100%. So, yeah, so I, I really have, you know, like you have to be like cognizant of that. You have to be conscious of, of what you say out loud to yes. this new generation because they are holding the future in their hands, right? And then as adults, if we continue to set perimeters that yep. are based on our pre-existing conditions of like what's possible and what's not possible, 100%. we're just holding like everyone back, right? Yep. So, um, you know, I, I try to be, I try to give them um, the freedom to experiment and, you know, in any way that I can support and you know obviously I was like you can you know come on you know and you can mint as much as you want I can help you set up your you know but at the same time I want I don't want to I want him to go on this journey on his own and yep. I don't want to do the work for him and I don't yep. want you know I don't want to shove it down his throat because maybe <laughs> that's my dream that's not yeah. his dream so. <laughs> yep. yep yeah no that's that's awesome I love that I think as like, I don't know, just again, technology just made it, it's just a lot different. Like again, parents, like my age, I'm 23 years old. So again, even like 20 to 30 years, like I think that that barrier of like what's possible is completely just changed. Like we've just seen so much, it, it's almost impossible. It's like, everything's possible. I don't know. It's like, it's a hard to like, there's just so many crazy things going on, like just everywhere. So it's just like, yeah, literally anything is possible. And again, like you said, like back in the day, like they couldn't just access a customer and just sell someone something in china or across the world like it was yeah. again your local right it was just kind of like just something like that you banging on the door talking to them trying to sell just it's like a little bit different right so again now we just go on instagram we post a photo we make them feel something digitally right and then they make a purchase hopefully right or whatever yeah. however it goes so i just think i don't know that is super interesting um but yeah no i love that so now i, I want to talk about i want to talk about hay layer so hay layer is built on the bitcoin blockchain yeah, so we are built, we were super early to, well, because of Gary sort of, um, you know, as a CTO and co-founder, we really had to trust sort of where he was going to lead and where we're going to build on. So mm -hmm. uh, we are uh, built on Stacks, Stacks. Uh, blockchain. So every transaction uh, settles on Bitcoin. 
And so for us, it made sense at the time because of zero transaction fees. Um, uh, every, so there's no new, new energy that is required in order to um, create stacks. Everything is recycled on, it takes recycled energy already used for Bitcoin mining. So, and, and sort of he believed that this was going to be, um, you know, the sort of the unique relationship to Bitcoin was going to capture the bigger market. Um, you know, we really like um, the Stacks community. Uh, we got accepted into the first Stacks cohort that put us together with 25 global companies that were also building um, solutions. Um, and, you know, we got our, our funding uh, from the stack sort of engaged investment. So, um, but we knew sort of, you know, the world is coming to the sort of this interoperable stage of sort of the evolution of where we're going within just even marketplaces. So um, we have built bridges into Avalanche. Uh, we are building bridges into Solana, Polygon, and ETH is coming. So, you know, that essentially because we were stored first, uh -huh. we can essentially manage all of the digital assets through you know, through IPFS, right? So we, we make it a really pretty like Google Drive kind of view, right? Um, so essentially you can drag and create folders, you can mint the entire folder as a collection. Um, so storage is sort of the focal point that can take you to any chain. Uh, if you want to use our marketplace, then we are Stacks native, but we, because we wanted to focus on the experience and the, um, um, you know, and bring in non uh, non uh, Web three sort of uh, people into the ecosystem and sort of bridging the gap there. Um, we really focus on credit card checkout. So essentially, eighty percent of our sales that are coming from marketplace are um, with a credit card checkout. So now I can just add a URL to you know a link to a friend of mine and say, hey, you always wanted to buy this NFT, now you can. So they just put in their credit cards. And we kind of do the transaction in the back end. So we take the, the USD, we transfer it to Stacks, we transfer the, the, the NFT into their wallet, and we actually have, so 80% of our transactions are USD, but some conversion rate from hmm. every person actually setting up their, their hero wallet, which is um, Stacks native. So uh, we essentially educate, right? We still give them a very sort of, here's the way to you for you to, um, uh, link your wallet. Yeah. Uh, we do it in a way where it's not like you don't need to link your wallet. You, to, you don't need to create a wallet in order for you to buy your first NFT. In fact, in order for you to create an account with Haylayer, um, we have, you know, uh, authenticate. You don't even need to remember your password. You basically mm -hmm. create an email and you get an email, um, you know, to your mailbox and you click on the link and you have an account and you're yep. logged in. So we're trying to kind of, you know, make the process super simple but um yeah we you know we started with stacks we love the community we you know they're big supporters of other women co-founder and you know women founders and women artists so uh, we're getting you know um we're getting a lot of love from there from the investment side but um you know we wanted to build a great foundation but we know the future is obviously interoperability so we are working with other chains and building bridges there I just want to ask you, so actually, when talking about interoperability, first of all, what is interoperability and like, why is it important? 
I think it's 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 having you know the ability and having the freedom. So, for instance, if we have a client that's that is interested in making a video game, right? Mm -hmm. And we know like Avalanche is really great at for gaming, and so we want to give them the flexibility to actually mint and create their NFTs through through Avalanche blockchain, uh, you know. And maybe you are a brand who understands that the biggest market cap is, is, you know, biggest market is on Ethereum. So you like our storage solution and you want to go with us for the entire sort of launch pad creation okay. aspect, but you really want to launch with, with Ethereum. And so, you know, we can give you the freedom, you know, to do that. Um, so interoperability is, is being able to kind of, um, uh, have the freedom to w work and on different chains is probably like the easiest way that I can explain to your audience. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, that's 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 perfect. Um, so so now I just want to ask you. So basically, what are you and like the whole entire Hay Layer team like? What's what are y'all most excited for in the near future? I'm um, pretty sure it's different. Different positions probably different, but just as a collective, like what what's something that y'all want to see here in the near future? I mean, for us, we're trying to like set a goal and turn a goal to have the next, you know, 100,000 users um, using our platform on everyday basis and really sort of interacting with it um, as like an everyday platform, yeah. right? So for us is, is how do we get, we're really concentrating on getting the early majority into understanding and accepting the technology as an everyday tool. Uh, where I think no longer people will use NFT as part of the dictionary. Like no one really knows how World Wide Web works. We just know yeah. it works, yeah. right? We don't really know how the iPhone works, but we just know it's great. <laughs> so um, that's kind of, I hope that we get to the point where you can come into a store, you can tab, you know, tab the, the, the item, and then you will get a badge in your in your phone or in your smartwatch that then gives you uh, reward points every time you shop there, right? So like the the, the blockchain technology in the back end is going to run the whole operation, but it's it's not in your face and it, and yep. you know it's smooth process. So I know we're we're way you know we're way behind behind like we're not behind we're just um, there's still this like really slow adoption to it, right? Yep. For the most case, you know, every single day I talk to people that are in the space. So for me, it seems like, well, how do you not know? Right. And sometimes, you know, I, I step out and I have to, I realize that like sometimes I'll say, <laughs> I don't, you know, like people look at me like I have two heads. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I know we're, we're very early. Yep. And so now we're really concentrating on education. Yep. Yep. You know, how do I how do I, I I convey the message in the simplest way? How do I educate the new uh, you know the new the thirteen year old to understand how this technology works in a very simple way and the sort of the advantage of that? So um, we're really concentrating on sort of the mass adoption and the ease of use, and I think you can do that by just working with really great partners, uh, really great brands that understand, and then we figure out sort of how can we integrate the technology into their everyday use case where they can excite 
and engage a new audience in ways they haven't seen before. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I love that. So, so, so where, if somebody wanted to reach out and, and kind of find y'all, where, where can they find you at? You can find us at heylayer.com. You can reach out. Um, we're on our, you know, all social handles at heylayer. And you can reach out to me directly. I am super open into setting up, you know, strategy calls. And we can do 30-minute strategy calls with anyone who's interested in sort of um, exploring what this technology can do for their company. And you can reach me directly at ala, A-L-L-A, at heylayer.com. Awesome. That's awesome. So, again, I'm going to have all these links and everything below just in case they miss it. Um, but honestly i really appreciate you for having on for coming on this is just an awesome podcast I, again i know i'm gonna see you in the near future um because again I, I my fashion is super weak i know i was telling you that like again I, i'm i'm walmart like my husband had horrible fashion too until he met me, so. i was like are you familiar with uh fruit of the loom yeah <laughs> that's that's me oh, that's like my like when when they're ready to have their web three strategy i mean we're i think we're good to go but no again i I really appreciate you for coming on of course thank you for everything that you do i I really you know enjoy your podcast and i i'm I'm super happy that we have someone like you to educate you know the new the new sort of younger generation into into the space so thank you so much for for your work awesome i appreciate it all right right. have a good one Alrighty, and that is the end of today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Again, I know I definitely learned a thing or two. Like, what are we even talking about? Like, you heard what she was saying about the shirt, right? Like, again, you're in the street, right? Wearing a shirt that someone else thinks it's cool, right? They want to know more about the shirt. They scan your fucking shirt, right? You get a royalty. The artist gets a royalty. They get to find this shirt and see the details about, right? The history of the shirt, right? If that's something they want to do. But like what the fuck are we talking about that is insane that's fucking next level shit that's next level shit like i don't even know again i had to have all on again she's the fucking expert at this shit right i don't i don't know shit about fashion right again she's the expert she has the background so to me it's like i can sit here and give my opinion about fashion right but again i'm fruit of the loom down i'm not playing i'm not trying to be funny like i'm just that's what i wear right so again someone that is into that again had an internship at versace that worked with as a buyer right like she knows this shit so i want to know her perspective again someone that's actually in it right so i thought this one this episode was definitely super fascinating to me i loved it um but again all her info will be down below in the show notes uh so you can go ahead and check out all her links and uh, reach out if you have any questions but again, if you want to reach out to me on Instagram, it's going to be future of NFT altogether on Instagram. On Twitter, it's going to be T H E E J A R R O D. And if you want to leave a voice message, the link is in the show notes. Alternatively, my email is going to be right next to that link. Um, so if you want to go ahead and shoot me an email, my email will be right there. And again, please leave this podcast review right like send in some feedback right if you like this podcast go rate it go give it a rating again wherever you listen to your podcast right spotify right apple podcast wherever right but also just for me like if you want to send me an email like i love feedback any and all feedback i love it is good it is perfect feedback for me so 
uh just yeah that, that's basically it again i hope everyone is enjoying their week i will see you on the next one peace